by the pricking of my thumbs, something wicked this way comes. My husband. King that shall be. If we should fail. We fail. Hey, this is out now. Uh, nights, another nights. nights episode. I know we're we're back here. We're doing another uh, night recording uh, to get in uh, more of the many titles that have come out in the past like few weeks here. Right. Try to keep up uh, because we just like talking these movies and want to make sure we get all we can in before the upcoming top ten episode. Uh, this is out now. Nights. Nights twenty four, and we're <laughs> yeah. talking this week uh, the tragedy of Macbeth. Uh, this is the uh, latest film. From Joel Cohen, uh, notably absent is Ethan Cohen. Um, this is a purely a strictly one Cohen joint, um, one Cohen. a one Cohen picture, <laughs> and um, he has taken the opportunity to adapt uh, Macbeth uh, for the screen, uh, courtesy of A24 and Apple, and he has brought along Denzel Washington as Macbeth Ooh. and his wife Frances McDormand as Lady Macbeth. Denzel's wife. Joel Cohen's wife uh, <laughs> of many decades. <laughs> uh, the three of them ha- have come together for this, and the film also features uh, Alex Hassel, Corey Hawkins, Harry Melling, uh, Brendan Gleeson, Catherine Hunter, among many others. Stephen Root, of course, pops in there because what's a Cohen <laughs> brother film without Stephen Root showing up? <laughs> Just some like some stuff about this before we kind of get into the the review of the film. The film was made in like it was like made in like thirty five days, I believe. Um, it started out they filmed for a few days and then COVID hit so they had to take a break and then they came back and did the rest of it it shot entirely on sound stages and yeah I mean yeah that's that's where we're at here we have a whole <laughs> I mean there's a whole, it's a, whole a, a very uh small Cohen production and yet you have like two movie superstars and you know the words of of, uh, of Shakespeare to to go mm-hmm. off of so with all of that in mind Abe yes uh, what were your thoughts on the tragedy of Macbeth you know, I, I liked it. I didn't love it. And I think I liked a lot of things about the techno things, techno side of things. But I also really liked a lot of the acting. And, you know, we sometimes hear a lot of um, like, you know, how actors want to be uh, basically like wearing funny wigs and, and dressing up in costumes and saying their lines. And this is something like that. So this is certainly like an actor's movie because the script is obviously written and adapted from a Shakespeare play. But I mean, which actors don't want to do Shakespeare? I, I had a really fun time watching this movie and thinking to myself, Brennan Gleeson probably has done Shakespeare at least like, you know, five times in his life on stage uh, in theater. And here he is just reciting these lines, like it willy nilly being incredible at it. All of these actors have. Like, right. Yeah. Like Denzel has been Denzel's, a proponent of this. Denzel's know? done everything but Macbeth until this point. Yeah. Um, McDormand was doing Macbeth on stage and that's where she got the idea it's like why don't i get my husband to make a movie <laughs> Corey hawkins i believe came up through Macbeth. i mean uh, he's a juilliard guy i would yeah, assume exactly. that he has done Macbeth yeah. or shakespeare at some point yeah so yeah I, I i had a really good time watching all these actors just really dig into the script and and say their lines on the screen here i think from a technical aspect of it i mean you mentioned it earlier before earlier with the sound stages and whatnot but this movie is excellently like uh, storyboarded and then shot and they've got really amazing camera angles uh, they got really cool things that they're doing here um, and i think that a few of my standout favorites in terms of the acting it has to be the witch i forget the person who plays her Catherine hunter Catherine hunter but she has this 
like raspy voice and she does all these like physical things with her body and i was just like this is this is great this is something that you could you you would probably have to to animate back in the old days um but this person is just really embodying this and really uh, in, like enthralls me with the their acting performance but on the whole like i, I think the reason why i'm kind of just like liking it and not loving it is because it's a Macbeth story and I've read Macbeth and I've seen Macbeth versions of this before. And so nothing really about the story necessarily. I mean, there, I think there are some changes here and there with how they portray either later Macbeth and, or some of the, the things that happen, but I found it to be a, an interesting, um, I guess, uh, case in, in the fact or in the way that they have Denzel and, and um, Francis McDormand kind of playing like these, uh, older folks and kind of talking about like legacy and and bloodlines and kind of having uh, no children so i found that to be a unique aspect of this Macbeth storyline but um yeah i mean overall like I, I did enjoy it but i kept on thinking about like the green knight during it which is not because i was comparing one to the other kind of just more thinking that what a year it's been for like these folklore slash like poetic slash like you know uh shakespearean type plays so Good job this year uh, on all this. What about you? You know, it's funny. I'm not what I would consider a Shakespeare guy. Like, it's mm-hmm. not like a go-to as far as like my literary heroes or what have you. And I don't really have to think about that, actually, as far as what my literary heroes are. But it's certainly, you know, I, I've seen plenty of cinematic adaptations of his work over the years. And I, I feel like I've come to the conclusion that Macbeth might be my favorite thing to see realized as film. Because I just always mm-hmm. seem to find it interesting. I'm a huge fan of Throne of Blood, the Akira Kurosawa film. I uh, I haven't seen it in years, but the Orson Welles uh, Macbeth is very similar to this one as far as the kind of shooting style. And there's been many others over the years as well. This I was certainly intrigued by because I'm a huge Coen Brothers fan. The idea of Denzel Washington being in anything always excites me, but Denzel being Washington being in a Coen Brothers or a Coen film, um, let alone an A24 Coen film where it's like, <laughs> I, I want to know what the, and obviously McDormand's going to be great in whatever she's in. So it's like, wh- what is this going to be? <laughs> and I was so happy that it just feels like this pet project that's turned out in like the best of ways as far as, yes, the filmmaking, of course, and the acting and just having a certain perspective on it. You mentioned the fact that they're an older uh, couple by comparison, mm-hmm. usually the Macbeth and Lady Macbeth are portrayed as younger. And that's obviously a deliberate choice here. And the deliberate choices made throughout this thing, I just found to be fascinating. So I've, I've seen this movie three times now. Wow. Um, I saw it once at a screening early in November. Then they had a free IMAX engagement um, in December, which was awesome to see this movie projected on that kind of level. And then now it's on Apple Apple TV Plus. So mm-hmm. I so I watched it again. So I it feels like like some Coen Brothers I click with right away. Some of their films, um, this Coen film. I would say I didn't click over the first time, but it's certainly one that feels like one of the ones that rewards watching it again. And all of them do, but sometimes you just kind of click more the first time around than you do some others. This one feels like one of the ones where you do click with more and more stuff about it as you watch it more. Because I I keep thinking about this movie Mm -hmm. and it's like, well, we're going to talk about this in our top 10 show next week, but this this isn't in my spoilers this isn't in my top 10 oh no but it's in that list of like the 11 through 20 where it's like any one of these could easily be like this whole list could be my top 10 also it's like this is so 
it, it's so interesting to think about like the films I picked higher than this when I look at this and I'm like, but this movie's great. Like, there's so much here that I really enjoy about it. Sure. I can agree that there's maybe some pacing stuff that kind of throws me off a bit, like, especially given how deep the Shakespearean lingo goes here. It's very much of the page. So you're listening to people speak in these words and it's almost a foreign language. Uh, watching it this time on Apple TV Plus, I had the subtitles on. My dad was watching it also. Mm-hmm. Uh, he tends to like to have the subtitles on. And I would say it was like a world of difference. But, you know, having seen it twice and then watching it with the words on the screen, it's like, okay, this is this is an interesting way to like take this in more uh, now. So that's an interesting question. Did you, when you watched it the first time, did you have a, some trouble picking up or did you kind of just go with it? I would say there's a learning curve. Yeah. I would say getting into the film hearing the language as it is and especially not being a guy that's like reading Shakespeare constantly Mm -hmm. to like be super familiar if you're just walking in blind to a movie that's very much taken from the page yes it I I think there's a degree of difficulty for like the average viewer to be like okay (laughs) I really got to be in the zone to Mm -hmm. kind of catch on to the cadence and the kind of the the poetic language being used here but yeah you kind of you pick up for me, I picked up on it, you know, like how to kind of play along with it, especially because, sure. you know, it's Macbeth. So you already know the story or right. for most many know the story already. So like you get the basic gist and you just kind of and you can go along with so many other cues and stuff as far as, the you know, the actors and the filmmaking or what have you. Right. How about you? Yeah, I, I was pretty much in the whole way. I mean, I had known that this was going to be Shakespearean in in a language and uh, in the way that they're presenting it. Mm-hmm. But kind of just going with it, you it's one of those things where um you know remember when we talked about west side story and we were just like you know it's it's a bold thing that spielberg didn't write the translations but then there's so much context within the screen mm-hmm. that it allows you to understand what they're talking about or kind of like the feeling that they're trying to give when sure. they're speaking in spanish and then in, in this uh in the tragedy of Macbeth, i went with it as well and yes while some of the things like it took me a second to reverse engineer what they were saying because they're kind of saying things like uh out of order to get their point across or what have you like you do get the sense of the frustration or like you know the the soliloquies in their head of just how they're being driven mad or what have you so i don't really have a problem with it i can see where some people might have a problem with it and it could really like turn some people off but yeah give it a go i mean there's other aspects of this movie that that you can pay attention to that would probably still uh, excite you in some manner would i really appreciate i mean there's a lot of things i really appreciate about this but like the one of the more unique aspects of this is how much of the film i mean for one thing it's otherworldly as far as its presentation like there's no world where this architecture this style this look these costumes exists except in this movie and Mm -hmm. i found that to be great like it was just such a deliberate choice as far as like how do we you know how, how does this come to life this time around and I really like those very specific choices they're making to not make it resemble a real world in any way compared to some other adaptations. Um, and at the same time, it's both cinematic and theatrical. Like you can very like place it in a different setting and you can very much see this on the stage, like just how yeah, it's put right. together. And I, I really like that. I lo- yeah. like, I, I'm one that very much calls out films that feel too stagey when they're like adapted from stage. Les Mis, yeah. like, <laughs> uh, among others, and ones that just feel like they don't—they're too claustrophobic. Sure. They just, you know, you can kind of like some some are more successful than others. I think last year or two years ago when we had like Ma Rainey and um, One Night in Miami, like a few films where they were stage adaptations, but I really liked the choices they made to kind of 
distinguish themselves or at least feel more appropriate for as i said like justify their cinematic existence mm-hmm. uh this one i very much feel it feels it feel like it does because of like the cinematography and the choices made on these like the production design and everything it's just so it just so it was so engrossing and yet because it's so minimalist it's like you could easily watch this on the stage also so i just i, I really like the kind of back and forth as far as his choices being made to realize this in the unique way that it was done yeah that's something that i took away from the movie too is when i was thinking about the the viewing of it i very much found myself sometimes feeling as though i was just watching them on a stage um which i really really enjoyed and very much to you in uh, in alignment with you there are movies where i'm really taken on or it really takes me out of it whenever it's too much looking like a stage or they try too hard to make you feel as though you're watching Samantha stage. And again, I, I mentioned Les Mis earlier where they do have close-ups of people singing. Um, and then, you know, the movement is, I guess, the movement. But in this one, I was just like, I would, I, I sometimes, for whatever reason, I feel as though I'm just watching Denzel and, and Francis, like, sitting there on stage. And then, oh, the, the, uh, the camera goes dark. And so they're changing the set. And here they are back again, and they're doing their thing. And um, so it was really nice to to have that sort of effect on me because whenever these people are acting on on the screen here, it's just that it, it feels so thunderous and powerful because there's nothing else around, if that makes sense. Like the, mm-hmm. even the voices tend to echo because they live in this large mansion, this large manor. Um, but it's really just like at most two people to three people on the screen all at once. Yes, there are scenes where there's more than that, but that's kind of more of like a like a Gary scene, and they still tend to focus in on just one or two people that are speaking. But I found it to be a really unique experience in that in that regard. And it's you know I'm I'm seeing like the various nominations that are coming out for <clears throat> shortlist for the Oscars for like visual effects and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I think like yeah, I'm happy to see Dune collect as many things as it can because it looks amazing in various regards. That came out like, this year? That's going to get nominated, you think? <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, looking at something like this is like, this feels, this this qualifies just as much in the realm of like sound design and art and uh, cinematography, obviously. I mean, that's a given for this. Yeah. But like visual effects as far as, again, all sound stages, all this is created. But like just the the level of depth that comes right. from I, like i i entirely agree with you as far as seeing close-ups and seeing these two shots and uh you know presenting the actors the way they are in fairly singular air arenas uh you know without much else around them mm-hmm. at the same time you know you get you know you'll have scenes of these conversations or these or these monologues or soliloquies and then you'll get to like cut to like an angle that's impossible to get uh, yeah, without right. without being you know being film or you have imagery that you cannot recreate on the stage, such as Catherine Hunter's portrayal of, of all three witches Correct, or, weird, or, the, yeah. or the weird sisters, uh, which I, which I, but we'll talk about the actors in a bit. I, I want to keep talking about the production sure. of that a little bit, but like just the, the shot of like her standing in, in next to the, to like that reflective reflective puddle or lake. Sure. And yeah. you just see like her standing there and the, the shadows of all three of them in the water and then like fog moves around and suddenly the three of them are all standing there. It's just like mm-hmm. stuff like that. So in, it's so cool. <laughs> like right, it's, yeah. it's so, it's such a, it's such a like refreshing way to be like, okay, if I'm going to make a stylized version of Macbeth, what can I do differently? And it's like, I'll find like this acclaimed German stage actress to portray all three of the witches and, and have yeah. like incredible ways to show her as all three people, which includes like her accent changes for each one of like it's just there's so many 
clear things going on or even like in the costume design and like how did you have the character uh ross played by alex hassel who seems to be playing a number of sides in all of this but the way he's dressed he looks like a human version of a raven which is like the constant like one of the running motifs in this film these shots of these ravens that are flying around and it's just it's great to see these actors doing what they're doing but seeing like the choices made to show them in these different ways and how you know we talked about the language already getting you to like visually identify what's going on here i think is so powerful as far as what cohen's going for yeah i definitely agree that there's a lot of technical things that are phenomenal about this movie i mean you mentioned sound design there's like delicious sounding footsteps you know what i mean like and i mean that in like the the most sincere way because it's just very echoey and hollow, but I love the way that they just designed it so that it's even louder than it normally would be, or the way that they sheathe their swords or what have you, uh, the way that you hear like water sort of dripping. And and again, it, it adds to the whole entire cacophony of what's going on in Macbeth, in Macbeth's head. And when it's, it's when it's dripping, it's, it's thumping loud. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It's, and he's yeah. like, what is this knocking? And then, you know, there's actually like, there's actually really cool like lighting stuff that's happening too. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking, just talking about like shading of like, uh, I'm not just talking about like shading of um, of sides of walls and what have you, but it's actually like really cool. Just like, hey, I'm just going to turn this light on. It's going to be off camera and I'll just have this actor like walk toward it. And it only really like, it's a stage production. So it really just like only hits him when they actually make that, that, you know, uh, staged left turn. And I was like, that's a really cool thing to do, like within a movie, because um, you normally wouldn't notice these things if it was. We should mention that all of this is black and white, so you really wouldn't notice these things in like a color movie or in any other sort of type of movie, because there's just so much there that that is sort of influencing your eye and kind of telling your eye where to go. But for this one, there's just a lot of deliberate things that's happening with the Cohen, with the Cohen. I was gonna say the Cohen brothers. But um, it's hard not to. <laughs> right. But I, I think that you mentioned something this earlier where I think that there's probably going to be a lot of like things that I would pick up on, like Cohen S things that I would yeah. pick up on upon second viewing and third viewing. But um, I, I'm excited to go check it out again. But it, it like to your point, I, it wasn't one of those things where I was like, it blew my socks off. Um, and, you know, not that it has to, because again, I am very much giving it a lot of high praise for a lot of the the harder things to do uh, other than you know a plot or a um uh, a movie uh, as it as it goes yeah you know, i in, in that regard like i've you know having seen it multiple times i've certainly picked it like the more i've watched it the more it feels like oh this is why cohen wanted to do this like i see yeah. that you can find the connections to the other works that he and ethan have done together like in, mm-hmm. in even in just like the people involved like carter burrell and his score, score for this yeah. film you can you can see you can hear some of like the familiar motifs that are in that are repeated in the same way they do that in other some of their other films and even certain just like choices being made from a how to present certain characters it's like it's interesting it is it's interesting to like look at it that way and just okay. see see the cohenisms <laughs> that, that shine <laughs> through in all this i'll give i'll give it a go a second time yeah are you a man? Ah, and a bold one. That dare look upon that which might appall the devil. Let's uh, let's talk about the actors. Uh, let's let's sure. talk about the these various performances. Let's talk about these leads first. Obviously, we have uh, you know two very uh, you know towering performers with Denzel Washington and Francis Dormand. Uh, they're both great here, uh, but I, I do want to give plenty of credit to Denzel Washington just because I. Obviously, I mean, I, you know, I'm a big fan of Denzel, mm-hmm. uh, but here, I mean, 
I never think he's necessarily coasting. He certainly gets by on just being excellent at all times. <laughs> like mm-hmm. even if some of the films are lesser than, but this is like he's so good in this. <laughs> like it's uh, it's it's the kind of thing where it's it feels like he is trying to challenge himself, and not just like sure. in you know this kind of dialogue because he's done plenty of Shakespeare. It's not like it's new to him to like do this kind of thing, but just like presenting himself the way he does as this like overblown confidence <laughs> but like increasingly paranoid man who's older and like trying like trying to find especially like within a script that's so like dialed into that you can't ad lib this you can't like right. you can't use certain things that you use in other movies and the fact that he's able to like do all of that and like find shades to play without deviating at all from the text I I just re- I really like him here. It seems like he's having an awful lot of fun playing this kind of character, and it all the way it keeps gradually building uh, to like key moments from Macbeth, such as when he murders the king, or the, what, or the uh, or the finale of this thing, which features sure. a couple of fights. One which he is disarmed the entire time, but just shows up how much of a badass he is and how lack of concern he has because of various prophecies that ha- that just confirm that he's the man in charge and there's nothing he needs to worry about there's just a lot here for him to play with that i really enjoyed yeah denzel is, is turning in a terrific performance i would say that he's even better than mcdormand and this is not to say that mcdormand's not doing her job i mean she's doing it next job as lady Macbeth as well but just the way that he's able to kind of take on like multiple like it, it actually speeds like for how deliberately paced we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. It also speeds up its timeline quite a bit too. Yeah, because I mean the movies are like you know Macbeth is what like a two and a half three hour play. <laughs> this right, is an hour forty this minute movie. movie. Yeah, this movie's like an hour and some odd <laughs> forty on some odd minutes. But like you, you basically learn about the soldier Macbeth, and then it just immediately goes into like you know King Macbeth kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. So with all of that um, transition you do have like this Denzel performance that is rapidly sort of like quote unquote deteriorating to some degree. Cause he's kind of going mad with like the prophecy and, and also with um, just, I guess how he is going to be undone as well. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of that happening and he gives some fierce dialogue, you know, at one point he's kind of channeling like Alonzo a little bit, but at the same time, I really appreciated just, the way that he's able to do all of this, you know, like you use the word challenged and I felt like, yes, Denzel was having a blast, but also these are things that would be somewhat fine challenging. And I'm glad that he's still doing, he's still pursuing this. I mean, like Denzel's like 60 something years old, you know? Um, and he's, he's done so much in his career that he doesn't have to do these things. He could just like do simple paycheck movies, but here he is just like in a Cohen production, just deciding to do Shakespearean dialogue for an hour and 40 some odd minutes against other actors that are just as equally as good. You know what I mean? So it's not like, like while he is a strong performer, there's like a lot of other strong performers in this movie as well. Yeah. He's 67 and 67? I, I, I oh. fully look like he's still, um, he's, he's still um, working to, to adapt all the August. He has the rights to all 10 of the August Wilson plays. I know. He oh, has wow. A, okay. He has another one lined up because uh, he already defenses him. Ma Rainey is another one right. lined up by coming, I assume, next year. Um, but, like, I like that he's, like, in this mode where it's like, I want to do that, and then I want to just, like, 
get hired by directors I really like and yeah. <laughs> just like be in, you know, if I want to be in a small A24 film, I'm fully, I fully welcome this. It's yeah. the kind of thing where I know it's impossible to see like certain A-list actors doing this kind of thing, but at the same time, is it? So you get, I mean, like Brad Pitt does this kind of thing all the time as far as just like hopping into small roles and right. like, he's like the, one of the biggest movie stars in the world. Like, yeah. So it's like, I want to see it, It's something that I wish that other people would do more often though. I mean, this is not mm-hmm. for me to say like, oh, well, I sh- we should become, we should become casting directors and direct people how to do their careers. No, it's kind of just more like, it's actually really fun to see these actors sort of push themselves and challenge themselves. I mean, you and I have talked about this for quite a bit on the on the regular podcast, on the regular show, but Robert mm-hmm. Pattinson is a guy that just continues pushing himself. Like, yeah. there's like no small role that is too small for him, and there's no big role that is too big for him, and he just does it. And what he the, the best thing about it is he does everything with like, with such a plum, you know what I mean? Like, he's so good in everything that he's been doing, and, you know, people kind of just still, some people still see him as like, maybe like Edward from the moonlight sir moonlight or twilight what are they called twilight twilight thank you uh, but yeah he's certainly surpassed that and you know you we see other actors like this too i mean you mentioned brad pitt i mean he doesn't have to pick up that role in uh, what's that movie that you claim is like my favorite movie from uh, uh oh, the, counselor, the counselor of course yeah. yeah you know he doesn't have to pick up that role where he's just like this weird cartel uh side guy or you know I think about like things like um, Jake Gyllenhaal too, like kind of doing something like um, what's the Denny Villeneuve movie that he made? Enemy. Enemy, where it's like, yeah, man, I love when these actors like just take on these roles and just really, really go at it. So Denzel, kudos to you. For sure. And it, you know, it, it's it's not like I want to take away these roles from like other smaller actors that need the work or with that. And it's not like I'm asking like it's not like I'm gonna see Will Smith do a gritty A24 drama anytime soon. He's if just he like, did, <laughs> we'd be all for it. But yeah, but at the same time, it's just like it seems like impossible for this to exist. <laughs> like, just in oh, the way oh, sure, in the sure. way in the way he care the way his star persona follows him. But like something like this, where it's like, well, it's a Coen Brothers joint. They decided to make to get make a thing like this. Like, sure, why not? Like, yeah, great. I'm glad that right. Denzel could do something like this. But yeah, he's he's just really good here. And it's like, I, yeah. I, I've seen these performances that are getting praised this year, and I there are ones I certainly like a lot. Uh, but I, I I certainly want to see the, the a lot of credit go his way as well, which he's certainly getting. Um, even if he wouldn't necessarily be my pick for best actor, it's like, don't forget about Denzel in this because he's just <laughs> really good in this movie. Sure, yeah. Uh, moving over to Francis McDormand, also very good. I mean, Lady Macbeth is a classic role as it's well. Kind of, it's quite a key character. Yes, and you know, she gets plenty to play with here as well. This is the kind of, I mean, it, it, we can take both of these actors for granted because they're just consistently great at things, but I mean, she knocks this out also. <laughs> she does. She does what's needed to 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 play both the you know the whispering in the ear as well as the kind of now i'm going mad because we've gotten what we wanted and it's not sure. enough <laughs> and it's and i mean there's like there's a couple key scenes that involve lady beth and they shine through here really well with her yeah i i have nothing really further to add i mean i think that she's uh, she does a great job here as well some of the other smaller performers. Well, okay. Before we get to those, let's get mm-hmm. another key one, which is Catherine Hunter as as the witches, the weird, yeah. the weird sisters. Um, it, like you said, just the the kind of contortionist aspect of it, along with like doing different voices and just <laughs> just destroying this part as far as just making it like utterly yeah. memorable and unique to itself. It's just such a a great like realization of 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 this aspect of the of the story 
and <laughs> I, I'm so glad. I believe Frances McDormand like recruited her to be a oh, part nice. of this. Uh, and it's it's such a you know you can you if you you could easily go to like some more recognizable name or what have you, but instead they go to this character, you know, this very accomplished stage actress, um, and bring her in, and it's just such a it's a take that I just didn't expect from this movie, um, and was very happy with what what I got out of it. Yeah, taking away from the movie, I'm just like the person that stands out the most is is the witch, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Catherine Hunter, 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 yes, Hunter, Hunter. Yeah, and I think that that's really just the thing that I I was the most impressed by. And again, everybody here is giving great performances, but just the way that you know, there's just so much of like a physical nature to it, but also just the way that it's so haunting in in various aspects and that's the thing that sticks with you you know this is kind of like uh who quote unquote some standouts are in other movies that you've seen before and while other movies i i'm thinking of like inglorious bastards like everybody there is doing a great job but then the person that sort of stands out sometimes is fastbender and then you're just like oh yeah i wish i see more fastbender and so i'm curious to see what what catherine does next i mean she's she looks fairly like older in her career but i'm curious to see what what i'm gonna wish kind of awards that she might be getting out of this whether it's like um i don't know if it's gonna be academy awards but it'd be great to have her um recognized for the it'd work be, it'd be a worthy add to that lineup for sure I'd, i would agree yeah i mean like again she she does play a pivotal role in this movie hmm. so I, I said she's german she's greek in origin oh she's greek okay mixed mixed up my g's uh, oh no <laughs> but, but yeah and i mean there's like the between her and Denzel, there's the whole um double double boil and trouble sequence, which is it, it's really cool how they realize yeah. that here, where it traditionally involves like a cauldron. And this movie's like, well, what if Denzel is just in the cauldron? The cauldron's like a room, and, like, right. and it's and you have like the the witch is like perched on the on this le- like it's just a it's a fantastic mix of yeah of cinematography visual effects and acting that just really shine through like i was so like taken by this these key scenes for, that i like i know are co- like you know you watch a shakespeare thing and there's like you know the story but there's also like key moments in it and you tend to really want to you tend to want to see like what's that going to look like right and like sitting in this movie for an hour and getting to that sequence like what is this going to look like? And it's like, okay, that's, <laughs> that's nothing like what I expected. And I really like that. I really appreciate that. I got that out of that. Like, yeah. it's, just, it's just stuff like that, that kept happening. No, yeah, but I mean, really... the way that the water sort of leaves the room is really yeah. a cool effect as well. Like all, it's just really like, it's, it's just really interestingly handled. Yeah. Um, I mentioned Alex Hass already plays Ross. Um, uh, he's an actor who I don't know for much, but mm-hmm. he was, he, well, he did play vicious in the recent cowboy bebop series. And what oh, I'm taking, okay. yeah, and what I what I'm taking away here is he was such a not just a non-presence of that series, but something I actively disliked about that show. Where mm-hmm. here he's excellent, <laughs> like here he's fantastic. I I really liked the kind of this and this and this um portrayal in particular. Generally, Ross is more like around this. He's like an instrument, uh, like that's. I have theories on it. I don't know. I would split, you know, it's a Macbeth. It's not exactly something you can spoil, but there's certainly like a, there seems to be a, a motivation here uh, for Ross that I enjoyed as far as him playing, kind of playing both sides. Sure. And the way he kind of appears in multiple scenes and is just kind of always around and how he presents himself. Again, I described his, his like look as this kind of like a human, a physical embodiment, a human embodiment of like a Raven with this kind of form fitting gown, 
tights they whatever you these things are called, like the sure, costumes are right. called and the sleeves and like it just he stuck yeah. out to me he stuck out to me because i saw his face like that's vicious from that cowboy <laughs> and it's like he's so much better here <laughs> like i'm very right, happy right. for him so i i dug him quite a bit in this. yeah there certainly is the aspect of like the supernatural like if you ever read those like old camelot king arthur type things like you know, back where like Merlin wasn't Merlin, like Merlin was kind of like uh, this guy who is not necessarily playing both sides, but his shape shifting and the way that he would sort of get information is sort of what reminded me of, of this character. Like, not to say that this person has these uh, magical powers, but I think that there's just a, a duality of this person that I was like, yeah, I get it. Like if you've seen other Shakespearean plays and or watched any other movies where there's like, a subversive character i mean this is the person that's doing it which is just like great yeah you're kind of playing both sides to, to um you know buttress your own your own power play and then here you are just like with the victors all the time so yeah i certainly got an, an element of i don't want to say like mischievous but there's certainly an element of like he seems like the he's question mark box of mario yeah, so, he, yeah. He, i mean he seems like he's in league with the witches like whatever like he certainly witch- seems as though he knows more than he lets on. And yes. again, he's always playing. He, he's he's certainly playing in the hands of fate. Yes, but that's a good, that's a good way to put it. He's kind of like dictating his own fate as he does that too. Like he's not going to get in the way of like the witches because the, they're the most all powerful, all being, all seeing kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But he's kind of just like you know he'll he'll do what he can't he has to 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 be victorious. For sure. Uh, the last main performance I want to highlight is Corey Hawkins as Macduff. Uh-huh. I like Corey Hawkins. I, I like seeing him pop up and stuff over the years since straight out of Compton. Um, so it's, uh, it, it, he's, he's good here as well. There are moments that he has to kind of play into that are both confrontations with Macbeth and understanding news that's presented to him. Sure. And I, I, I like the choices he's making as well to kind of present this you can interpret it a number of ways, whether it's a maybe a, perhaps a younger version of what a Macbeth could be if he went a different way or someone that's that has certain circumstances dictating his own uh, uh, destiny. Like there, there's there's stuff there and there's there's uh, again, like an approach to the dialogue uh, that I appreciated as far as how he's how he's taking in certain responsibilities for the, the things that are taking place. And so I, I think Hawkins did a, a good job uh, playing into that. I mean, coming into the movie, I didn't know that Corey Hawkins was going to be in it. So when he shows up, I was like, Hey, that's Corey Hawkins. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Oh, that's cool that he's, uh, he's playing guard or what have you. And then his role evolves as you get there. And then you, you certainly find out who McDuff is and, and what McDuff is all about. But yeah, I, what I was kind of most fascinated to see in sort of what we talked about earlier is just, I was fascinated to see how these folks were going to interpret Shakespeare on their own. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the other cool thing that um, uh, Cohen is doing, he's like, Hey man, don't, don't do any accent. Just speak in your own voice. And, but we're just, do, we're all doing Shakespeare, but just speak in your own voice. Like you don't have to like do this fake British or fake Scottish accent. Mm-hmm. Just speak, you know, like for, for some scenes, you, you certainly hear like the queen's side of, of uh, Dudzell coming out. Um, and you're just like, yeah, okay, that's fine. And then again, Brendan Gleeson's going like his full, um, his full uh, Irish Brendan Gleeson. But yeah, for Corey Hawkins, I was, I was kind of just curious to see how he was going to do the the stuff. And to his credit, he does a really good job. I mean, I certainly like the the line that he gives when he's saying like, "My voice is my sword," and how he continues to go on and do Shakespeare um, with it. So 
again, his role expanded uh, and I, w- I was pleasantly surprised by it. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I appreciate when movies are like, who cares about accents? It's a movie. Right. <laughs> so I was very, <laughs> I was very happy with the, we have an assortment of people here, including Americans, let alone black Americans um, playing in Shakespeare roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, yeah, just let them do their thing. <laughs> like, it's like, as long as they're doing the words and they're acting, like, I don't care about the accents. I really enjoyed right. uh, uh, that, that basic take on how to, how to come into these roles. Uh, so yeah, I, hearing you know certainly when they're more irate and hearing certain inflections come out based off just the kind of way that they speak even when handling shakespearean dialogue i was i was very happy with that that very much pleased me yeah uh especially with i mean obviously Macbeth has a number of <laughs> moments where he gets louder uh but when he's sure. like insulting one person and he says lily Lippert boy that's that that that's a gift that needs to be in my possession so I can use it all time. <laughs> it's really entertaining. Um, any other uh, performances you wanted to highlight? There's a number of act- recognizable actors. For yeah, sure. certainly. I just want to give a, a shout out to Dudley Dursley. Um, <laughs> Harry Melling can, himself. Yeah, Harry. <laughs> what's his name? Harry Melling. Harry Melling, yeah. I mean, he continues to do like great vocal work. I mean, we saw this in, in uh, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs where he's kind of like telling this story over and over and over again. And he's just very entrancing and enthralling there. And then in here, like his voice just continues to carry. Um, it seems as though he's like been born to do some Shakespearean stuff or, or quite poetic readings of of uh, movie scripts and what have you. So he's done. A, he's done a lot of King Lear. I know he, that's like a big thing. For, King Lear was he yeah. King Lear? He seems to. He wasn't King Lear, no. Okay. But he's yeah. he's done. He's been a lot of productions of. Got King it. Lear. <laughs> yeah. So I certainly wanted to shout him out because I just. Uh, Again, I don't really see him as Dudley anymore. Kind of just he is his own person now, but certainly one of those things where it's great to see him really, really um, getting great at this craft. He he has and he has. I don't know how to put this, but he has like the character actor face for being in Coen Brothers movies. Like it's not surprising to me that yeah, after Buster yeah. Scruggs, Joel Coen was like, I'm bringing you back. <laughs> this is, I could use you. You, you. you fit this realm. Even in that, what's that crappy movie? The Devil All the Time last year. That I had like all. That. No, you did. Yeah, you did. It was that the one. The Devil that, All like, the Time? That's the one that had like Robert Pattinson and Tom Holland and like a bunch of people. That was like, it was like the Southern Gothic movie. Oh. It was on Netflix. Oh, um, okay. That had like, a, it had like, like six or seven different storylines that are all like circling around each other. I, you're, uh, you're reminding me of like just a movie Robert Pattinson played like a corrupt preacher and he said delusions that was his whole thing in that movie <laughs> well, like uh, what's his name Harry Bell like, he, he was he plays like a false preacher in that movie like a the kind of like like a he has like a like a snake like and like a snake bites him but he like he's the kind of preacher that does that kind of thing like he goes on the road and like shows off anyway well, I mentioned yes. this because <laughs> I mentioned this because this movie's basically like a bad version of a Coen Brothers movie and it's like oh god I got it okay. it's a, it's a, he's um you know he's in this thing and it's like I I get I get these roles for him I understand why he's in this kind of stuff mm-hmm. uh, and it, I, I look forward to seeing him in other like Coen projects because I, I can't imagine him not being in them just he seems like much like Stephen Root popping up in this one he just seems like a guy that fits Stephen <laughs> Root showing up in this movie and I was like is that Stephen Root yeah. and then him just like going full of Shakespeare and doing being excellent at it I was like mm-hmm. that's such a Stephen Root thing to do just like continuously surprised me yeah uh, let's see. Brendan Gleeson shows up as King Duncan, of course. He's excellent. Yeah, he is. He's, he's and excellent. he just fits right in. Like, yeah. It's like, I mean, like, <laughs> it seems like he's been doing Shakespeare his whole life. So it's mm-hmm. just like it, for him, it seemed like it was a second language. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Green Knight himself, uh, Ralph Innocent, uh, shows yes! up right, right at the beginning That's of the story. Right. <laughs> 
<laughs> Maybe that's why I thought about the Green Knight so immediately. It's like, oh, look, there he is. He just pops in right away. Right. Ralph Ellison. <laughs> great voice. And it's it, he, has, he has a, a terrific voice. And it's a great, that's a great, that was when I watched it the first, that was a great, like, okay, so we're doing this with the dialogue and just hearing him, like, uh-huh. go through. And then, you know, his whole thing is, you know, basically like explaining, like, hey, guess what happened? Also, I'm like dying. So, I'm, yeah, yeah. Some help. I walked all this way. <laughs> With like a giant gash in my back, yeah, so, so I had to tell me, you that my Beth did a good job. Want to give me a hand here? That'd be great. <laughs> uh, by the way, the opening of this movie I think is pretty amazing because it's beyond the starkness of it all. You get the shots of the ravens, and mm-hmm. the way you're looking at it, it's like okay, so I'm looking up in the sky at the ravens, and then you learn, oh no, I'm look. <laughs> it's the reverse. Yeah, I'm looking down at the Candyman. You, it, it does. It can't. It totally can't. <laughs> But I, that just speaks to again, like how both otherworldly this is, as well as how like wonderfully planned out the the choices in cinematography and visual Certainly, effects are. Yeah. Like it's such a cool like way. Yeah, they're to, they're like, really like really interesting choices as well. Like with the way that they do the fog and the mist, and how mm-hmm. you know a castle just suddenly appears in the background, and that's where the two characters are going. You know, so it's it's again like knowing that I, I didn't I figured that it was on sound stages. It certainly wasn't like on location or anything like that, but just the way that you're able to, as a director, know what you want to accomplish and what you want to see and how to deliver it in like a, a quote unquote more confined, tighter space. Mm-hmm. Excellent craft. For sure. It's the kind of thing where you have a director that, you know, is a veteran of this industry and like right. knows what they want to do where you can really see this kind of thing shine, you know, it's, it's, you know, not, ha- you know, you relying on sound state, relying on any kind of form of filmmaking, it comes down to the tools at your disposal. And when you have someone that's good at this kind of thing, they know how to use those tools. That's why I get excited when I, you know, hear like Scorsese is going to make a 3d movie. It's like, well, he's fucking Scorsese. Mm-hmm. He's probably going to knock that out of the park. And guess what he did? <laughs> Hugo's phenomenal. Yeah, or like Steven Spielberg is going to make a ready player one. It's like, well, he's been see- he's been I'm sure he's been seeing Marvel movies for the past ten years. What's his version of action scenes look like that's using digital space? I mean, say what you will about the movie, the action scenes look amazing. And I mean, it's yeah. so it's like seeing like Cohen's gonna you know Sin City his version of Macbeth here. Great, I like like, awesome. <laughs> and, uh, like I didn't put that together, but yeah, I guess that fits. Yeah, compared to like other like not like Sin City, I think works because Rodriguez knows the choices he's making in that movie. But like other directors that have since like relied on entire green screen productions, mm-hmm. there's ones that stand out and there's ones that don't. Life of Pi works. <laughs> like, so, uh, but yeah, the, this movie, it got it got nominated for best visual effects. It won. It won for best. Oh, it won. <laughs> yeah, it beat beat and for cinematography for that matter, and it won yeah, <laughs> those things. There you go. And That's then, how good it looks. And then Rhythm of Hughes, the visual effects company, went out of business. Well, some say come sa. Yeah, but the, for this movie, yes, I mean, there's there's just great choices made in this thing that'll certainly i think that's that's part of what's drawn me back to watching this again because i just find the there's not there's not a movie that looks like this right now that i can watch and so i just keep thinking about the choices being made and it's like i'm i'm so fascinated by them and you know any movie that can you know if i'm seeing this and spider-man three times certainly you know there there's some there's something going on where it's like i need to watch this more (laughs) Uh uh Um, makes sense what else? What else? What else uh, about about the tragedy of Macbeth? Uh, I kind of wanted to ask you about just the way that um, it changes, sort of not so much like from the the text, but just whether Lady Macbeth is a different character, so to speak, in this than than another instance that you read. I mean, what were the things that you took away from 
the differences of, of the adaptation? Um, or did you even notice any? I mean, it's it's more like in the moments you kind of get a certain feel for <laughs> just the way the performance is reading. Uh, and obviously the fact that as you as we pointed out now at this point, like they're, you know, an older portrayal of them. Sure. Yeah. You can you can read into that as far as what does the power really mean to these people? Like if their legacy isn't to, you know, actually bear children and have more more Macbeths <laughs> coming right. around. Like what what is the gain from being as high as they are in status? And when you're I mean, because it's so you know because it's somewhat abbreviated i guess if, if anything and i think part of why i can't speak more or why we haven't spoken too much about france Dorn beyond the fact that she's just very good at what she has is that i mean the her descent into madness mm-hmm. it just kind of happens you know like it mm-hmm. it's not not that like i think the the film is lesser because of that but it there's certainly like a if it, if not for a good performance, you'd be wondering like, what happened to Lady Macbeth? He just kind of went nuts. Like there's, 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 there are, there's kind of not necessarily shortcuts, but there's certainly kind of a, there, there's lesser focus on the things that are, that push them over here as almost as if it's taken as a, because we, because you know, the story of Macbeth, I'm not going to show you like all the pieces that add up to some of these things. Mm-hmm. And so that, that leaves it up to the performance to convey the kind of emotion that's going on. And so in that regard, as far as what differences I see, it, it comes down to you have so much authority present because you have Denzel and President McDormand on hand to make these characters work that I don't you know, need as much to, to build out who these people are. I just kind of have to you know, not necessarily take it for granted, but you take it on, well, <laughs> they, yeah. they know what they're doing and they can guide me just based on their performance. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, I, nothing really to add to. I was kind of just curious your thoughts. As far as some of the other like adaptations of Macbeth go compared to this one, uh, I, I already mentioned like Throne of Blood, which is, I mean, that's its own thing. It's set in you know, like feudal, feudal Japan, so it has its own vibe going on. Um, and Kurosawa did a number of like Shakespearean things told in within like the the, the structure of a feudal Japan Japanese society. Uh, but like just a few years ago, not few, like when 2015, we had the um, the Fassbender Marion Cotillard take on Macbeth from Justin um, Kurtzel. That was just called Macbeth. Um, yeah, that's a film that I did not like, um, <laughs> which was a shame because it's it's an incredibly visual movie. Like it mm-hmm. really it tried it it grounded itself in like the real world as far as like the the nature of like the people like it, it was set in like there's ca- actual castles and stuff like that mm-hmm. but it's very stylized visually but the problem i found was that it's all it was all style like there was nothing i could really take away from those performances beyond like well they're acting but like it wasn't it didn't i didn't feel like i was invested in much beyond the fact that it just looks really neat mm-hmm. that's the difference i find here where this movie certainly looks neat. We've talked for like 45 minutes about how neat this movie looks, yeah. but I do think there is an investment aspect that comes from the fact that you have these actors that seem to end just an adaptation from Cohen that really seems to get at what this story goes for. And uh, that, that that's certainly a strong way to have this resonate in a way that, you know, that adaptation didn't and others do. Yeah, definitely agree. What else? Uh, <laughs> we, I just want to yeah. point. So I'm trying to think of like cool things that happened in this. Did you like the the two like big sword fights that take place in this movie? Certainly did. I mean, like the first one was very reminiscent of like Denzel being 
like Denzel in his in other the movies where he's like slap shot people in the throats and whatever else. He had big screw you energy going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> you've seen that in other Denzel movies too. And then in the second, I, I guess in the second sword fight, the one with Corey Hawkins, um, I certainly liked it because of the dialogue that was being thrown at each other as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when um when it like reaches its climax, certainly was something I was not expecting. Um, and I, I liked the visual of what they were presenting there as well, which is, you know, uh, a literal, like, um, a literal removal of the crown kind of thing. Yeah. So. Let alone why it happens the way it does, where it's, he's, he's untouchable. And yet, hey, I, I, I'm the king. I want to mm-hmm. make sure that I show that I'm the king. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. No, I, it's, you know, in the past couple months, I've been presented with a lot of sword fighting in movies between this, uh, the King's Man, and Cyrano. And all I have to say is a lot of cool sword fights are coming out. You were just seen Cyrano? I've I've seen Cyrano twice. Oh. <laughs> I have it's it's really uh okay. it's really good. I really yeah, like I, I want to see it. <laughs> From one of my favorite directors, Joe Wright. Joe Wright, yeah, Joe Wright. He's uh, he's delivering, I can tell you. Yeah. Well, I, I, they keep moving the date. I don't know why. But I know. I'm just like, we're I've been seeing trailers for this for two months now. Yeah. Uh Select theaters January released everywhere February. It's like, wasn't this like the opposite case like a month ago? It was supposed to come out like the end of December. It's like, why does yeah. this keep moving? It's so it's it's really worth seeing. Yeah, but I'm just saying, lots of cool sword fights these yeah. days. This is a good one as well. <laughs> well, with all that in mind, I, we've we've, t- we've talked a lot about this at this point. Um, I I I can't emphasize enough how like cool the like cinematography choices are. Just the 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 way it's presenting it as this it's old but new. And I, I think that, you know, to, if you're going to do Macbeth, a story that much like every other, most other Shakespeare plays has been done to death, uh, finding new ways to present that while still feeling like homaging old ways to do that, that makes it worthwhile to me. And that that's why I would easily recommend this to anyone that has any interest in this whatsoever. Yeah, you? I mean, you mentioned earlier where you were saying that um, the previous Macbeth, the one in 2015 with mm-hmm. Thespender, is larger scale and for for all that this one is doing like it actually still feels pretty large despite the fact that they're like in three locations um and so i i would say that you should check this out if you're curious about it too but um it's streaming on apple tv plus you can certainly just get a free trial for that and and watch it there or i mean apple tv plus is also like five bucks a month so check it out if you if you have a chance there but it's certainly a Macbeth story so please don't go in thinking that it's going to be something that might grow on you. It's, it's one of those things where it's like kind of have to know that it's an experience thing. And again, I think Aaron and I are really recommending a lot of the technical things of this movie. And just seeing Denzel just being a boss. This thing. True. It's, true. It's, it's, it's like, you know, when is he not? One, right. So. Well, all right. We'll talk about the tragedy of Macbeth here. I think that's going to do it for this uh, out now nights episode. Thanks. Hey, this is another Out Now Nights. <laughs> is that how you start? Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> it, sounds like, it sounds like a Simpsons thing. Hey, this is Homer Simpson. <laughs> you know, I can do it that way. Hey, this is Homer Simpson, and you're listening to Out Now. <laughs> hey, Homer. <laughs> All right.
I wasn't putting any affectation on it. I I, like, yeah, I understand. I just, I'm always caught off guard by it. Right? Okay, let's do it again. <laughs> no, hit it. I'm not going to do it again. Here we go. Bingo, bambo. No, I'm not doing it. <laughs> Perfect. Really fits the theme. Really fits the theme. <laughs>